When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it, let's do it, let's get to it. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. What is going on? I'm your host, John June, at JRFootballNerd on Twitter. Uh, follow the show at FFDiagnostics on Twitter. Um... You know, first and foremost, before we even get to the football, uh, it's been a, a rough uh, month or so now uh, with the, the killing of George Floyd, uh, the killing of, of Breonna Taylor, um, and, you know, just many more countless senseless killings of black people by the hands of police or um, or just other citizens for no other reason than other than the color of their skin. And as a black man in America, obviously this is unsettling for me. Someone who's going to have children that are going to grow up as uh, black kids uh, and grow up to be black men and women in America, this is obviously unsettling. And uh, just a reminder that we just all need to continue to love one another, uh, empathize with one another, um, you know, whatever it is that we think that we, we could be going through uh we all have something in common um you know and just continue to to just support one another and continue to love one another and um you know i just in a time in times like this i just i just think it's best for peace right just just as be as peaceful as as loving to one another as we can um that being said, uh, I hope everybody is continuing to stay safe, uh, continuing to properly social distance, um, considering the circumstances. Um, but, you know, onto the football side, it, dynasty season, like we're in it. Um, I, you know, I, write, I released the top five about a month ago. I'm going to actually roll through here on the top, the rest of round out the top 10 of the running backs and the wide receivers. Um, and also in this episode, you, you'll hear an interview that I had with, with my brother, Randy. Um, so that was interesting. And we've got one with Greg coming up and we've also got some other stuff going on. Um, the reason why it's been so quiet on the feed, why it's been, you know, um, it's been so dead and there hasn't been much activity. Uh, I've, I've just been working really hard on actually doing my own projections. So for the first time this year. Uh, I will be uh, citing my own projections uh, based on, um, you know, data that was collected over the last 10 years, uh, you know, based on projected game script, based off of projected win totals. Um, So all of that stuff is is baked into my projections. Um, And you guys obviously know how much if you listen to the show, if you, if you haven't listened, um, you know, feel free to go back to the archives and listen, but 
Um, you know, we talk about, or me personally, I talk about game script a lot, and um, you know, the Vegas, the Vegas lines, and and you know what teams try to do in neutral game script, whether they, they like to throw the ball, whether they like to run the ball predominantly. Um, so I, I lean a lot on that data uh, when making my decisions throughout the week, and so um, spent a lot of time over the last uh, the last month or so um, kind of organizing that data the way that I wanted to and um, you know building these projections out the way that I saw fit and so um, gonna have obviously gonna be referencing that stuff a lot on here um, trying to figure out a way to um, even make that public so that you know all all of you people listening are able to to get that um you know, via either a PDF or a book format, whatever it may be. So, um, we're working on that, but, um, that's, you know, the main reason why I've been so, I've been so quiet here. The feed has been so quiet, but, you know, starting next month, um, Greg is going to come back. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be doing a show a week. So, um, at least a show a week. So, um, you'll, get that chemistry back, that synergy back. And, you know, we'll be, um, obviously getting, getting all you got, all you guys and gals ready for, for the redraft season that's coming up. But, uh, if you haven't had your dynasty drafts yet, you know, I've still got some dynasty drafts. I'm in a dynasty startup right now. Uh, and the, the writer's room, uh, started by, uh, some, some guys on Twitter. So this definitely, um, you know, definitely trying to get into as many leagues as I can uh, so that I can continue to test out my prospect model and, and now testing out my projections as well. So um, so like I had previously said, we had our Dynasty rookie draft recently. So um, as part of that, I'm going to bring some, some of the people on the show, um, you know, one of them being Greg. So obviously you know him, but a few other people that you may not know. Um, We'll see exactly how many interviews we get to, but bring some of them onto the show and, and, you know, talk about some of their favorite rookies in the Dynasty rookie drafts coming up, the you know, in, in, in this year and, um, you know, some of their, their draft strategy and, and what went into their thought process and stuff like that. Um, so for this episode, you're actually going to hear one of those interviews. Um, it's actually with my brother, Randy June. So he, uh, he comes on and talks about uh, his his draft strategy for the, for our dynasty rookie draft that we just had and uh his outlooks for some of these some of these rookies and so so in the first part of this episode you'll hear the um six through running back six through ten uh, in terms of my my dynasty rookie rankings and then the second part of this episode um you'll hear the full uh roughly 40 minute interview that i had with randy so um, you get a full hour episode today, so, um, you know, and then next week we'll do the wide receivers and, and we'll do a second interview next week as well. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy it, but, um, yeah, without further ado, let's jump right into the rankings, right? So now if you haven't heard the top five, you can go back into the archives, listen to that episode. That would be episode 61. Um, we covered top five quarterbacks, top five running backs, my top five receivers, and my top five uh, dynasty tight ends. So um, RB6 for me at the dynasty 
uh, dynasty running rookie running back position. That's going to be A.J. Dillon um, of the Green Bay Packers. He was made a second-round pick of the Green Bay Packers. No, the Packers did not draft a receiver. They drafted a running back, even though they have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in the backfield. Um, but, you know, about A.J. Dillon, he's a big back, 5'10", 247 pounds. He has great explosiveness by shown uh, as shown by his 4'5", 340-yard dash. And he's also got a 41-inch vert. So, like I, like I said, very explosive. In his career at Boston College, he ran for over 4,000 yards. And he also has a nose for the end zone with 38 rushing touchdowns in his three-year career. Um, his outlook in, in year one is probably a bit cloudy as he enters the backfield with the already previously mentioned Aaron Jones, who finished as a top four running back in fantasy, and uh, Jamal Williams, who had RB, he had some RB two weeks, um, but he was definitely useful throughout the year at different points. Uh, Dylan doesn't profile as a pass catcher, but he could be a very good early down back. He could also handle a full workload, but with a back like Aaron Jones, I doubt we we you know we see Dylan get that full workload in year one. Um, it would need to take an injury for, to either of these two backs for Dylan to really have a role. Um, I think we see Dylan in 2021 as we could potentially see Dylan in 2021 as Jones and Williams both enter free agency. So curious to see what they do with Jones. I know that Jones had said that he wants to be a Packer for life, but you know that's that's all not you know fine and dandy but what's what's really happening when we get to the negotiating table so that'll be a, a big big thing to look at there for AJ Dillon's value but AJ Dillon um he's he's going well be you know he's as a rookie running back he's going uh well past this RB6 spot where I where I where I personally have him ranked so I see him as a value I'm scooping him up just because he's a good player and uh, as as dynasty players, we sh- I've learned this a long time ago. We need to be able to embrace running back by committee, uh, especially in dynasty. It takes a, a bit more patience. Um, so I'm willing to draft a guy like AJ Dillon, sit and hold, and wait on it because um, a guy like AJ Dillon, his value is only going to go up, right? You know, it's not really going to depreciate because if he doesn't play, um, and he's coming into year, and I'm coming into year two. Uh, with him potentially being the guy, you know his value is only going to go up. I can I can request you know future draft pick higher than what I actually spent on AJ Dillon. So um, yeah, I, I would definitely target AJ Dillon. He's definitely one of the guys that I'm targeting uh, as a late running back option, especially since I love scooping up all these wide receivers. Uh, RB7 for me, that's going to be Antonio Gibson uh, of the Washington Redskins. Uh, he was a third-round pick of the of the Washington Redskins, and he's one of my favorite sleepers in this year's rookie class. He's absolutely electric, and he was uh, a hybrid player at the University of Memphis. He played both wide receiver and running back, but he spent most of the pre-draft process working out as a running back. Uh, the Redskins drafted him as such, so... Um, no questions about that. And he'll, he's 5'10", 228 pounds. He ran 4'39 in the 40-yard dash. So he's you know thick kid, very explosive athlete. Uh, he was a JUCO transfer that played sparingly in his first year at Memphis. But he had sort of a breakout season last year with 1,100 yards from scrimmage uh, with over 700 of those yards coming by way of receiving and nearly 400 coming by way of rushing. 
He scored an absurd 12 touchdowns on just 71 touches in 2019. That's a touchdown for every six touches he was getting. Uh, this guy slides into a into a backfield with a 35-year-old Adrian Peterson and an oft-injured Darius Geis. Now, mind you, Darius Geis has been working out. Uh, seen videos of him looking healthy, so that's one thing to watch there. But as I mentioned, he's always getting injured, so um, not something that's really going to scare me from the uh, Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, his from, from drafting Antonio Gibson. Uh, Chris Thompson's out the door as the receiving option, and you add icing to the cake. Uh, the new head coach, Ron Rivera, he's already comped Antonio Gibson to uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, <laughs> Scott Turner, who's the new OC for the Washington Redskins, he's actually the son of former NFL head coach and longtime NFL play caller, Norv Turner, uh, who's actually the, used to be the head coach for the longtime San Diego Chargers. And then he um, he was made the Scott Turner was made the interim OC in Carolina following the firing of Ron Rivera uh, because you know Dave Tapper the owner and many in the, within the organization they felt that Scott Turner had a bunch of of really good ideas and and really uh, progressive ways of utilizing Christian McCaffrey and as we've seen you know North if he's anything like his father. Norv, uh, that he only utilizes one running back, back to LaDainian Tomlinson and Michael Turner and um, uh, now uh, Christian McCaffrey, who he had in Carolina. So um, definitely going to be uh, definitely targeting Antonio Gibson. RB8 for me is going to be Zach Moss of the Buffalo Bills. He was a uh, Moss was a third-round pick of the Buffalo Bills. He profiles as a, a big back at 5'9", 223 pounds. He's a big back with some finesse to him. He gets comp to Marshawn Lynch for his beast mode style of running. But with the 4.65 and the 40, he doesn't really have the juice that Marshawn Lynch really had. Uh, Marshawn ran 4.46, by the way. Uh, Moss does offer some by way of pass catching with uh, 66 college receptions. Uh, Moss profiles as one with workhorse ability, but now enters the elephant in the room, Devin Singletary, who was a buy candidate for me back in February. Now the two are entering what we have to imagine is a timeshare. Singletary averaged almost 13 carries a game last year while running mate Frank Gore averaged about 10 carries a game. That's a near even split, and maybe Singletary can maintain his role as a lead pass catcher, but Moss profiles as as the capable pass catcher himself. And then you also consider the fact that Moss profiles as, of these two backs as the goal line back. Um, and Devin Singletary did not have many goal line carries for the Buffalo Bills last year. Um, and, you know, Devin Singletary was a buy for me back in February. I did not anticipate that the Buffalo Bills would go in and add a running back when they didn't re-sign Frank Gore. We kind of figured, hey, you know, this is going to be Devin Singletary's backfield. Apparently, the Bills don't feel that maybe Devin Singletary can be that guy. Maybe he's better. Maybe they feel he's better served in the committee. So... This is going to be a sticky situation as the Bills are most likely making a conscious, a, a conscientious effort to to have a uh, running back by committee. Uh, we haven't even accounted for Josh Allen's designed 66 quarterback runs and nine uh, rushing touchdowns last year. There's going to be a lot of variance in this backfield. Personally, right now, I think Zach Moss is a value. Uh, Devin Singletary 
is going well ahead in uh, redraft leagues and dynasty uh, dynasty rookie drafts or I mean dynasty startup drafts. Um, and so I would prefer Zach Moss. You guys know me. I always prefer the cheaper option um, as long as it makes sense. And, and for Zach Moss, for him being somebody that, um, again, is going to profile as the early down back in this offense. He is profiles as the, the goal line back in this offense. Uh, and he's somebody that also profiles uh, as a, a capable receiver within this offense. Um, I, I would rather take the take the the shot on Zach Moss in the later rounds as opposed to spending early uh, thir- three or four four round draft capital on on Devin Singletary. Um, but moving on to the next running back on the list, that's going to be Keyshawn Vaughn. He's running back nine for me. Um, Vaughn was a third round pick of the Bucks. He steps into immediate competition with Ronald Jones. Um, Vaughn out of Vanderbilt is 5'10", 214 pounds, ran 4.51 in the 40-yard dash. Uh, the 32-inch vert that he had shows us that he lacks some lower body explosion, and you can kind of see that on the film. Vaughn has the ability to be a good receiver out of the backfield, though, with 66 college receptions. Uh, Ronald Jones, however, Rojo did have some good moments last year, and he was efficient for the most part as a rusher and a receiver. Uh, I think Rojo is the better player between the two, and I would expect him to hold off Vaughn here. Um, Vaughn is going off the board as RB6 and a top 10 investment in rookie drafts, and unless you have Rojo, I don't really see that as a wise investment. A running back in a Tom Brady offense is nice, but I would rather load up on the receivers in the early, early rounds of, the, of these dynasty rookie drafts. Um, in, in relation to Rojo and Vaughn, though, I think we something we have to remember and, and something that's going kind of forgotten within the fantasy community is as I see a lot of love for Keyshawn Vaughn is that uh, Bruce Arians doesn't play his rookies right we saw this with David Johnson Um, we've seen it even last year I think Scotty Miller was a guy that people were on like Bruce Arians isn't going to play his rookies he's he's notoriously uh, tough on rookies so he's he he um we usually see them later in the year, as opposed to, um, as opposed to right away. So you know, Keyshawn Vaughn. When you include that into the mix, you know, I'm I'm more on the Rojo side. I've never been a Rojo guy. I you know, if we talked, if you talked to me last year, I despised Rojo. But as the year went on, you know, I was coming around, and you know, we can't. We have to be water, you know, like water with our opinions, right? Like, I'm, I'm, we can't just be lockstepped in, in our opinions. Um, so once I, I see Rojo producing, you know, you know, being efficient with his touches and his carries, his opportunities, you know, I, start, I start opening my eyes. I start leaning into the, into the Rojo hype. Um, and now, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn is here and, and, and you know, people are scared off of Rojo. I'm buying, guys. I'm totally buying. Um, I what did I what did I get? I, I did. I'm in the I'm in the startup league, the writers' room. I, I think I got Rojo in the in the eleventh round or tenth round, something something to that effect. So, um, yeah, guys, I'm 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 all in on the on the Rojo hype. Uh, moving on forward, you know, RB ten. That's going to be Darrington Evans. Um, he was also a third-round pick of uh, this year's draft class. Um, he was the Tennessee Titans' 
third round pick out of Appalachian State. Evans is 5'10, 203 pounds. Uh, he can absolutely fly. He ran 4-4-1 at the combine, and, and that totally shows up on his film. Once he gets to the open field, the juice is on full display. Uh, he had a decent amount of catches at the backfield, um, but you know I, I don't know how much of that production was just off screen passes and dump offs. Uh, so I don't know how, if he really profiles as a true receiver out of the backfield. You know, one capable of running routes, um, but he he's definitely profiles as a nice change of pace. Uh, from Derrick Henry, and he definitely provides some juice off the bench to complement Henry's uh, bruising running style. Um, so yeah, he sits here at ten. Uh, I think, I think after, um, you know, I think after we, you know, we get past Vaughn, you know, I think, and you're you're entering a different tier now. Darrington Evans, Darrington Evans, uh, Michael P. Ryan. Uh, um, DJ Dallas, these are guys that are going into backfields with guys that are already um, already there as starters, and you're just hoping that maybe by way of injury or you know never hope that a guy gets injured, but you're you know you're you're that's that's it's always possible, it's probable, right, that a guy gets injured. So when you draft a DJ Dallas or a Lamichael Pirine, it's not about this year it's about next year um right you know you're hoping that you know you you know Le'Veon Bell is not going to be on the on the Jets roster in 2020 in 2021 so uh Michael P Ryan has a shot of becoming the starting running back and you didn't have to spend anything to get him so that's something that's interesting to me there so um you know definitely something to think about when you're when you're in your rookie drafts and you're trying to draft a running back um you know just definitely consider that our next guest is someone i know very well we've been in multiple fantasy football leagues together including our dynasty league which we recently had our draft and he's one of the sharpest sports betters i know he's one of my best friends and above all he's my brother and that's randy june randy what's good bro Hey, John. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. I know it's been a long time coming, but we finally got you here. It took a, a pandemic and a, and, a, and a civil rights movement, but we we got you here. <laughs> yes, sir, man. Um, you know, uh, looks like it, it was a long time coming, like you said, but I'm gl- I'm finally glad to, uh, to be a guest on your show, so I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So like I said, we had our Dynasty League rookie draft recently. Um, and so bringing you on here to talk about your draft and some of these rookies that I know you've, you've had your eye on for a bit over, uh, two months now. So, um, running through your draft really quick, you you were drafting out of the 11 hole, but, uh, if we know anything about you, uh, about anybody in our league, actually not, we're not prone to, to drafting in the spot that we, we were assigned. So, um, you didn't draft there in every round, but at 111, you took Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of out of LSU, um, obviously is a Minnesota Viking. Uh, 211, you took Chase Claypool, the wide receiver with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, 305, uh, you took Cole Komet, the tight end with the Chicago Bears. At 310, uh, you selected Justin Herbert, the quarterback with the LA Chargers. And then at 403, I don't know if you're trying to get a little stack here, um, you you drafted Joe Joe Reed, the wide receiver with the LA Chargers. So uh, that was your draft, and 
Um, but you know, before we we dive into every pick, you know, like we said, Justin Jefferson, he was your first round pick. Um, was that the guy you were targeting there all, all along? And uh, you know, how did that how did that all kind of play out for you? What was your overall strategy there? So Justin Jefferson was never the guy I was targeting at all. Um, to be honest, I didn't think he was going to be there. Um, I didn't think, uh, of course, knowing that uh, how deep this year's wide receiver class was. I was sure that um, I was going to get a, a top level receiver talent, but I, I figured that one of those top three guys or top four or five guys w- would be gone by that time. So my top guy going into the draft was Jerry Judy. That's who I had my eye on. And I was trying to um, see if I could finagle some deals to move up, but it just, it, uh, the juice, which just wasn't worth the squeeze. So um, I, I sat where I was and luckily Justin Jefferson fell to me. Uh, that was thanks in part due to a run on running backs earlier in the in the first round. And I had Justin Jefferson rated as my number three receiver um, uh, on the board going into this draft. So um, the fact that I was able to leave with a receiver or leave with a player who um, was 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 way better than what I was expecting to be available, then that's that's a that gives me a lot of hope for the uh, uh, for the upcoming season. And, and more so than that, I feel like that gave me a head start in regards to the rest of the draft. Yeah. I mean, this draft was kind of, was kind of interesting. Um, we didn't see the the first receiver come off the board until the eight spot, um, which was actually my spot. I, I traded out of it. Um, and that first receiver going off the board with CD lamb, we saw six, uh, six running backs and a quarterback of quarterback being Joe Burrow um, all before the eighth pick. So, it was very interesting to see that to see that happen. And as someone, uh, you know, I know you said that Jerry Judy was your number one target, but I know that we've had talks about your, you know, about we've been in this dynasty league for almost forever now, uh, four four years now, I think. And um, the receiver position has been a, a position you've been trying to target for the at least the last two years now. So, um, you know, I, I bet you were happy to see all these receivers, you know, kind of stay on the board for you. Um, but Jefferson, you know, I think he, like you were saying, um, he's definitely a good prospect, slides into this role. The Stefan Dix is vacating. What do you think the upside is for Jefferson in year one? Oh, man. I think the upside is it's, 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 uh, to be honest, I, I think the upside is, is astronomical, but I think that really all comes down to play calling. Um, so we all know that, you know, Stefan Diggs uh, uh, left that offense, that, that Minnesota offense, and he was a very productive receiver in that offense. Um, he's vacating 94 targets, 63 receptions for 1,130 yards. So that has to go somewhere that has to be picked up by someone. And you have a receiver who was the uh, number 22 pick in the draft this year. Um, as well as a receiver who caught over 100 balls um, from a Joe Burrow uh, for over 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns. I think that that's something um, that 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 gives me hope and that gives me um, some type of uh, some reason to believe that he can slide in and produce in year one. Now, of course, we know that Minnesota is um, they have Dalvin Cook, so they are a skilled running team. And as much as I but as much as I hate to say it. 
they do have Kirk Cousins and and Kirk Cousins is a very prolific passer. So if they do um, find themselves in in regards to if game script finds themselves uh, passing uh, more than more than running in certain situations, then I think that uh, Justin Jefferson. There's a lot of reason to believe that Jeff, Justin Jefferson is going to um, uh, produce uh, 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 to to produce. Um, I, 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 I believe that there's reason to believe that Justin Jefferson is going to be able to produce in year one. But again, it's, it's, it's going to be, I don't want to say hit or miss, but what I will say is he probably has the highest floor of any of these, uh, of any of the receivers in this draft. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's, there is that whole Stefan Diggs 94 targets, but I think the one thing we have to all remember is that, um, you know, Adam Thielen was hurt for, for, you know, a lot of that, a lot of last season. And so a lot of those 94 targets, um, that's being attributed to that injury by Adam Thielen. I've got Adam Thielen projected for 124 targets. I do have Jefferson, uh, Jefferson with the 93 targets, um, as well. But we also have to remember old BC Johnson is there as well. Tajay Sharp is there as well. Um, so, you know, 93 targets, I think, is the ceiling for Justin Jefferson. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the floor. And in terms of the highest floor, I, I, I think the highest floor receiver in year one um, would be, for me, would be Jalen, would be Jalen Rager. Um, just when you consider, um, you know, the, the, uh, oft injured Alshon Jeffrey, and you consider Deshaun Jackson, who's also coming off the hurt, the sports hernia surgery. Um, so, the, you know, when you consider those things, um, I, I would say Jefferson, uh, I would say Jalen Rager, but Justin Jefferson definitely, um, he's my guy in terms of in terms of a dynasty prospect. I have Jefferson ranked ahead of Rager, um, you know, because I think what's what's not talked about. Although, you know, maybe we may talk about him being, you know, Jefferson overtaking Stephon Diggs. What's not being talked about is Adam Thielen could potentially be hurt, which then you have number one receiver upside built into Jefferson's um, value. Right. And, and to, um, to add on to your, to your point as well, you know, if you have, if you're drafting a, not even just a receiver, but a football player and, and you're a coach, what you want to do is you want to be able to put your players in the best position to succeed. So Justin Jefferson caught over a hundred passes out of the slot last season. And what did we hear out of Minnesota? What was it last week or earlier this week that they are going to want to give, they're going to want to put Justin Jefferson in the slot fairly often. So you're trying to set that your player up to, to be in the best position to succeed. You're going to look at what they do and what they do well and if Justin, and if you're giving, telling me that, of course, you're, 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 we have expectations for Justin Jefferson to play in a role that he already feels comfortable in, then I also feel that that adds to his upside. And that's another reason to um, look forward to. And I, I hear what you're saying in regards to Jalen Rager. You know, that, um, uh, that, that, that Philadelphia offense is always something interesting to look at because you know it's going to be productive. But I guess the question is just, you know, really who's going to be that, that individual who's going to be the most productive because everybody is always hurt. Um, so Jalen Rager does, uh, does end up sliding into a, a solid position. I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on the, uh, on, on the highest floor. Maybe we can have a, a little bit of a, 
um, a, a wager offline in regards to Justin Jefferson versus Jalen Rager. But um, but I do I, I I am I do have a lot of faith in uh, in what Jalen Rager brings to the table as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll definitely have to take you up on that one. Um, when you know, moving on, we, we you know we talked about your first round pick. Um, you know that being jo- uh, Justin Jefferson. But what was your overall draft strategy? I know that you had, you know, you obviously wanted to fill the wide receiver position. Um, you, you also had uh, a situation at quarterback where you, you had offloaded Cam Newton right before the offseason started. And you had Jameis Winston, who was your starter last year. Um, he's now a backup in, in New Orleans. Um, you, you had Drew Locke, which, uh, you, you, you know, you're riding that hype train. Um, so, you know, what was the overall strategy? What did you feel like, you know, were the biggest things you wanted to accomplish out of this rookie draft? Um, well, yeah, you, you touched on it, uh, you know, right off the bat, you know, getting receiver help is what I've needed for years. And it's especially, you know, in a dynasty league, um, knowing your opponents and, and we've, we've had a little bit of turnover, but um, just knowing your opponents, knowing the, uh, the people that you're going up against and knowing, what their rosters look like, knowing how the way that they think, um, it's 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 kind of hard to to just say I'm gonna go out and I'm going to get receivers this year because maybe you're not the only person who wants or needs receivers. So um, my thought, my whole thought process was I just want to fill my roster up with good football players. I want to fill my roster up with a um a, a wide receiver who can slide in and start year one for me. Um, I do, I did need to, to, to get backup quarterback help. Um, but that wasn't necessarily a huge priority for me, but I, I knew that I couldn't enter the season with, with one starting quarterback on my roster. Um, and, and in addition to that, I wanted to make sure that I got some tight end help. Um, I, I, I do declare myself as a tight end savant, um, whether it's true or whether it's not. (laughs) Um, but, but, but I, but one thing is I knew that going into this draft, I did have to re up on that tight end position, um, or I should say reload that tight end position more than anything. Um, and I feel that I, I was able to execute my draft strategy fairly well. Um, things never work out the way that you think they do. And I think in this position, in this situation, it worked out a lot better for me because I was able to get players who I didn't think I had a chance at. Yeah, I think one of the things that you just said is the which I think is the is the key to all of this is is just trying to get as many good football players as you can on your roster. Right? We always, you know, come into a season saying I need this, I need that and and you you might you might overdraft something because because of a need and and you end up passing on a really good football player because you you felt like you had to fill this need. Um because you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're playing a game, right? And so um, I can be, I can, I can use, uh, you know, player, even if I don't have a need at a position, right. You know, let's say I, I don't need a receiver, but you know, CD lamb or Jerry Judy fall in my lap. I can, I'm able to draft one of those guys. And well, guess what? Now I've opened up the ability to trade one of these receivers that I was, I already had and pick up more value. And there's always value somewhere. You just have to look for it. Um, and, Speaking of you, you know you did a you you did a similar thing. You drafted Justin Jefferson with your first round pick, and you were able to take um, T. Y. Hilton, and you know kind of kind of flip him. Which I guess leads me to the leads us to our next question is, 
you know, outside of your first round pick, uh, you know, I would, I'm kind of cheating because I already know your answer, but Justin Herbert was, was presumably the one you'd like the most. Uh, what was the thought process behind, you know, the T.Y. Hilton deal and, and being able to get Justin, Justin Herbert? So going into, going into the draft, or rather even just going into this year, I knew that um, I didn't have a lot of tread left on T.Y., um we started up with this dynasty startup probably what five six years ago at this point um and ty was i drafted him in that startup and he's been my number one receiver ever since um but i just knew that you know you, you as you know you'd rather get rid of a player a year too early than a year too late i still think i might be doing it a year too late but um it was time for me to move on from ty and i wanted to recoup draft capital for something like that um, going into the, going into the draft, I wasn't expecting Justin Herbert to remain on the board for as long as he was, as long as he, uh, as long as he had been. And when I'm, and as, as we talked about it, you just want good football players on your team. And when I look at the draft board and, and I look at the players that are going and the players that I have on my roster and what it is that I, um, the holes that I need to fill. And I see the, the number six overall, pick in the 2020 draft is sitting on the board with the with the 10th pick in the um at the third round and I knew I had ammo to move up then I I had to go ahead and make that trade and go ahead and pull that trigger because um I I look at Justin Jefferson as a player we and we talked about Justin Jefferson he's he's he's, he's a very bipolar player it's either he's going to be uh, phenomenal or he'll be out of the league in a few years but I think if I have if I'm able to draft a player at the back end of the third round who has you mean Justin Herbert. Oh wow, I'm sorry. Yes, Justin Herbert. <laughs> so, <laughs> Justin Herbert is phenomenal has the potential to either be phenomenal or out of the league in a few years. Not Justin Jefferson. Yes, Jefferson's. correct. Got Justin it. Jefferson cool. is gonna be good. But yeah. yes. <laughs> um, but for Justin Herbert, if he has the potential to be um, phenomenal or out of the league in a few years, then that's a player who if you're getting them at the back end of the third round and there's even that chance that they could be a franchise level player, then, I mean, I don't think that there's, I don't think that there is a cost too high to give up for that. And to be honest, I don't think I gave up too much to get it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't think you gave up too much to get it either. Um, you know, Justin Herbert, like you just said, has the ability to, to be one of the top quarterbacks in the, in the, in the league. He's also got to be, he's also got the ability to be out of the league. So um not going to be surprised if either one of those things happen. But to take a shot like that on at 310 um, and you're giving up T.Y. and 411 to do it, you know, I, you know, we could we could debate back and forth about the, the value of, of holding T.Y. You know, is T.Y. Uh, who's going to score more fantasy points, T.Y. or Justin Herbert? But, you know, I, I'm I'm with you in the you know, like like you said, I'm I'm of the frame of mind. I'd try to rather get a, rid of a player a year too early than rid of, get rid of them a year too late. Uh, Ty, somebody who's had the foot and the ankle and the knee issues, um, there's not even a guarantee you get a full year out of Ty. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would go ahead and make this move and and um, you know you shore up your your backup quarterback position for the future in Justin Herbert here. Um, you know, moving forward. So, which pick outside of any of your actual picks did you like the most? 
Uh, unfortunately, the pick that I like the most is the Antonio Gibson pick. What was oh, that, man. Who's that guy? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so you actually picked Antonio Gibson. I think, what was it, one or two picks before I had the opportunity to draft him or something Yeah, like I was that. picking at 210. You were picking at 211. Yep, there it is. And I would have taken him at 211, but you took him at 210. But that guy, if for those of you who aren't um, aware of what Antonio Gibson brings to the table, he is a uh, – I don't even want to call him a running back, but he is an offensive weapon for the Washington Redskins. So he'll be lining up at running back. He'll be lining up at receiver. There's a chance he could be returning kicks and returning punts. Um, you're looking at somebody who brings a whole different dimension to an offense. And you're looking at someone, and and we've seen we've seen what the Redskins have done in the past. I know, of course, we're there. We've moved on to um, a different offensive coordinator. They've moved on to a different head coach. But if if you guys can remember the Chris Thompson role um, from that offense from years ago, I mean, I know things are going to change. But even even so, let's 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 fast forward to you know Ron Rivera. If you can remember the, um, do you know a guy named Christian McCaffrey? If you can remember a role like that, and any player with similar usage is a player who's going to be a very productive fantasy player um, if, if they can um, catch passes out the backfield, line up at wide receiver, um, run, run the football, and also maybe even have the ability to, to get some returns. The, the floor for a player like that is, is something to keep an eye on. And he was a player who went a lot, under a lot of people's radars. So I was hoping that I'd be able to grab him, but I knew that with uh, with you picking uh, one pick before me, that there was a, a strong chance that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, Antonio Gibson was uh, one of the guys I was targeting, um, and I knew that if I wanted him, I couldn't. I had to take him before you. Um, so, but you know what? I think it worked out perfectly fine because uh, I think as you got a guy who who you believe is is one of the guys we'll be talking about is as one of the uh, the steals of this draft class for one and two years from now. So um, why don't you talk about, you know, Chase Claypool and, and uh, you know, uh, another guy you drafted in Cole Command as to why, speak to why they're, they're guys that could be viewed as steals a year, one to two years from now. So with, um, with Chase Claypool specifically, He's also a player who I actually didn't think was going to be on the board when when he was uh, when he got picked. Um, I'm sure you guys know he's the the player out of Canada. He put his film on online, and that's what really put him on the map. Um, played for Notre Dame, but really came on um, in his last year. He had over a thousand yards and 13 touchdowns. Um, he's a player who shows size, speed, athleticism. Um, and incredible versatility in terms of where he can play on the football field. I mean, you're talking about a receiver that they've even, they're talking about giving tight end reps, you know? Um, and, and another thing is with the Steelers, if you take a look back in, into the past in terms of who the Steelers have drafted at wide receiver, in my opinion, they have a, a solid history of drafting pass catchers um, for their offense. And I think Chase Claypool fits the mold and, and not even fits the mold. I think he brings something to that Steeler offense that they haven't had mm-hmm. um, in, in an extremely long time. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that opens up the playbook and that opens up, you know, it gives you, it gives you the ability to do things that you, that you, you haven't seen the Steelers do. Um, so I'm interested to see and what, to see what that looks like. 
I'm going to give Chase Claypool some time. Um, there's been talk that maybe he could be highly productive in year one, but who knows? Who knows if we were going to have a year one at this rate? But um, <laughs> uh, but um, there's there's talk that he could be highly productive in, in year one. And, and I'm not going to get my hopes up with that, but I want to see how the roster shakes up, how he really fits into that offense, if he is going to get, you know, receiver reps, uh, tight end reps, or both, you know. And, and because regardless of where he ends up, whether it's receiver or tight end or, or a mix of um, playing all around the offense, I think he is going to be productive. But I, I, I think that that's something that's really going to take a foothold in probably year two or year three, where we start talking about Chase Claypool as one of the better pass catchers in the league, or rather one of the best, better pass catchers on the Steelers. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with what you said there about Chase Claypool being, you know, a receiver that we haven't seen the Steelers go after. You know, obviously we, we've seen, um, you know, Deontay Johnson, who's, you know, he's a smaller, a smaller receiver, James Washington, he's slightly smaller. Um, Antonio Brown, he was small. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's probably the biggest of the guys that they've they've drafted recently. Um, Martavis Bryant, he was also pretty big. Um, but, you know, but Chase Claypool definitely, um, you know, at 6'4", 230 pounds, you know, with a 4'4", four, 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 um, you know, he's definitely a different animal than, than what we've seen. Um, could also play the tight end position like you were saying. Um, speaking of the tight end position, what about Cole Komet? What What do you see from him? Um, oh man, that allows you to think he could be a, a household name at the tight end position. Man, I had I had Cole Komet rated as my number one tight end. I know I know you don't agree with me, and I know probably a lot of people don't agree Wait, with me. Whoa, 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 whoa! I had Cole Komet, Cole Komet as my number one tight end. Oh, you did? Okay, right. very nice, very Almost, nice. If you and if you if you if you haven't, then go go back and listen to the 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 uh, top five rookie ep- rookie episode where I did break down Cole Komet myself. But right now, we're going to hear Randy break down Cole Komet. <laughs> so when, I, when you look at a tight end, because again, you're, you're hearing the self-proclaimed tight end savant give you guys some knowledge. So if you don't have your notepads out, then you should take them out right now. When you're looking for a tight end, especially a rookie tight end, the biggest indication of playing time is their run blocking ability. So Cole Komet is somebody who low key excels in run blocking. Then you take, you take a step back and you look at him as a pass catcher and he's, he's been just as productive as uh, if, if not more productive than any other tight end that you, that you would, that you would want to, to draft at that position or maybe a little bit later, but then you add into the fact that, you know, he has run blocking ability. That gives me the thought that he's going to get playing time in year one. And just by being on the field, that also gives me the thought that he's going to have opportunities to catch some passes. Now, I'm no fool. I know, yes, Jimmy Graham is in that Chicago offense, but I don't think that Jimmy Graham is going to be the number one tight end in Chicago for the full 16-game season. I think Cole Komet's somebody who's probably going to come come on probably towards the end of the year. Um, I, I, I highly believe that that's going to be a Nick Foles-led offense. Um, and, and regardless of your thoughts on Nick Foles, I know the boy can pass the ball. So if, um, if I'm looking at uh, what Nick Foles and what, I, and what I think a player like Cole Komet can bring, in, can bring to an offense, um, and then, like I said, I, I'm thinking more so like later on in the year, 
Um, I hope injuries don't happen, but injuries are a part of the game. So as injuries do um, tend to play their way in, and then you see um, Cole Komet starting to work his way and feel more comfortable at that pro level, then I think he's going to get more of a foothold into that number one tight end position. Um, and then I think next year, two years from now, is when we're, we're going to start talking about Cole Komet as one of the top five tight ends in the league. Yeah, I, I definitely um, agree with the with the run blocking sentiment. I talked about it on the – actually on the tight end episode, the pre-draft and the post-draft, so you can go ahead and listen to that there too. Um, but the – but Cole Komet, like you were saying, I, I think really, uh, you know, there's a potential path for a role for him through – depending on what kind of personnel the, the Bears get into, you know, Matt Nagy, uh, depending on uh, if – if they lean on this run game a little bit, um, you know, maybe that, that calls for them to get into a bit more 12 personnel, bring those two tight ends out there, not even get Jimmy Graham, uh, Cole Komet. They even also have Adam Shaheen, who is a, a big a big body at the tight end position as well. So, you know, you, you, you roll those guys in there, maybe get them to some two tight end sets, which, which gets your best personnel on the field. You know, um, you could mix and match between David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, as your two backs, and then you got Allen Robinson and, and Anthony Miller as your two receivers out wide, and um, you know Nick Foles obviously coming from Philadelphia. That's an offense that he's comfortable in running, running a lot of two tight ends. Um, so, you know, I, I I don't see I don't see why not. I mean, there's a potential role. Uh, maybe it's not going to be useful. Um, you know, a consistent role every week role in in year one, but. Um, like you mentioned, Jimmy Graham, he's, he's, you know, he's a bit older. He's 30, he'll be 33 when the season starts. So, um, you know, maybe Cole Komet can, can earn a role as the season goes on. Um, but yeah, I mean, so what about, you know, a little bonus, a little bonus action? Um, what, what, what made you, you know, what, what made you, what inspired you to trade up, you know, future draft capital for a guy fifth round pick out of, of the University of Virginia, uh, Joe Reed. What 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 was what was that all about, Randy? So um an- another thing, guys, you gotta know your league's scoring. You gotta know what's valuable in your league. And in our league we we have scoring for a ton of different things, one of those being uh, a return option. So when I look at Joe Reed, I'm looking at uh, a player that the, the the Chargers drafted in the fifth round, like you said, um, but I'm looking at a player who can potentially find his way into maybe a receiver role sometime in the future. But I'm also looking at a player who last year was one of the best return men in in college football. Um, I'm looking at a player who is probably going to find a path to playing time fairly early in his career um, on special teams. Um, I know, I believe he's going to be someone who's going to be able to produce um, early on on special teams. Um, We're talking about somebody who scored, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to say it's like five uh, uh, kick return touchdowns in his career in college. You're going to have to fact check me on that. Um, But in regards to, Um, But when you talk about someone like that and what they bring to the table, that explosiveness they bring to the table, um, and you're talking about somebody who's played all around the offense. So in terms of, you know, running the ball, catching the ball, uh, returning the ball, just those different types of ways to get onto the field, then that's somebody who 
the Chargers would more than likely make room for in their offense probably one to two years from now. Um, I'd say maybe he carves out a few passes, a few rush attempts um, this year. I think most of his production is really going to come from the uh, what he brings to the table as a return man. Um, but I also believe that the shine that he brings from that return man position is going to help him carve a rollout into the uh, uh, as a receiver or as an offensive playmaker. And then you're also looking at someone who's and he's he's he's, he's no joke. The kid can fly. So if you're looking at someone who can take the top off of the defense, if he can find a role in an offense and and still have a role as a return man, then you're looking at a very productive fantasy option. Yeah, I actually don't have the exact um, – I don't have the exact return numbers in front of me, but, you know, this is a guy – he did score 17, 17 touchdowns in college. Uh, those are both rushing and receiving. That doesn't even include the – the return touchdowns. Oh, oh, might be getting it soon. Um, but yeah, no, Joe Reed definitely is a guy that sticks out to me. You know, we talk about that year one production. Um, you know, that, that was how I ended up getting Tyreek Hill. Uh, I drafted him as, you know, this league format. If if we, you know, if you're not familiar with it, it's a one quarterback league, twelve team dynasty league, but it's full IDP. So. Uh, IDP being individual defensive players. So you got to start defensive linemen, linebackers, uh, defensive backs. Um, and so you get points for like literally anything a football player does on a football field. And you were spot on the money with the return touchdowns. Randy has five, five return touchdowns in his career. Um, uh, and to go along with the uh, also the 17 he had from scrimmage. So. Um, and I was you know, I was trying to do some digging too, and I found that of course he led the league in return yard average last year as well. So that's something to keep an eye on too. Yeah, thirty three point two yards of kick return last year. Um, he averaged uh, twenty eight point seven in his career, and at four years at Virginia. So the guy is a straight up you know baller. He can totally fly. And the thing is, the thing that's um, uh, and forgive me if you mentioned it, uh, but the thing that goes you know, un, untalked, you know, unnoticed with him is that he's, he's a thick kid at 224 pounds. He, you know, he's, he's six foot, 224 pounds. He's almost built like a running back. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things that surprised me about him. Yeah. four four seven and a 40 yard dash, 30 inch vert. Like this is, this is an athlete here. This is a good ball player. And, and you know, you, uh, would you, you forked over a, a 2021 third round pick to get him? Yeah, 2021 third round pick uh, to uh, to move up to, and I also I gave up a I gave up a free agent draft pick. I'm not I'm not I don't remember which free agent yeah. draft pick it was, but I but it was it was mainly that I guess that third round pick from next year that got the uh, uh that that got the trigger pulled on that one. Yeah, it was a second round free agent pick and a 21 third uh, rookie pick for for Joe Reed. So, um. And then also last question on, on in terms of the Dynasty League, you know, this no no first round def- or no rookie draft defensive players. What, what was the uh, idea there? So, um, I mean, I, I'm currently I'm content with my with my team um, in regards to where I stand on defense and with my IDP players. Um, I know that there were some high level players available and I did have my eye on some. So Chase Young, for example, is somebody I had my eye on. 
Um, Isaiah Simmons is someone I had my eye on. Um, and then, uh, but, but just looking and, or I'm sorry, also Patrick Queen is also another player um, that I actually would have taken if you didn't take him before me. So, <laughs> um, so after, so I guess you, when you're drafting, you just got to think about opportunity costs. You have to think about what you need as a, as a team. And, and while maybe I don't need to, to bolster my defensive ranks, you see a player like Patrick Queen sitting there and what, what was he in the third round or something? Yeah, I picked him um, at three oh. It was three oh one, I think, or something to that effect. Yeah, something like that. So you see that. Uh, I mean, that's right around where I would have taken him. But but after that, you have to think about opportunity costs. And and I felt that there were players that I could get later in the draft, or rather, I should say, in the free agent draft, even super late, who could have been very productive players. Um, so I I didn't think that I thought that going with um, receivers and going um, just with pass catchers and, and, and rebuilding um, the offense from a, from, a, from a passing and pass catching point of view was the most important thing for my, for my team to do um, in terms of the defense and, and, um, and what we bring in terms of the, our running backs. I think that we're fine there. Um, it just really had to be the backup quarterback position and those receivers and um, bolstering the tight end position. So um, I did do some, I did do some work to, to fill, to fill some holes for my defense in the free agent draft, but um, that wasn't my top priority. Yeah. And if you don't know, Randy's squad is pretty strong at the running back position. Um, it took many years of uh, three years of losing to do it. But <laughs> he's got Christian McCaffrey and Zeke Elliott. Um, one of those years resulted in Rashad Penny, which which then netted him Chris Carson in the trade. So, um, yeah, he's pretty set at the running back position right now. Um, so receiver has not is not necessarily the same. So I'm happy with how I ended up there. Um, but yeah, in in regards to um, in regards to the defensive players, last thing I'll say for me, if your name wasn't Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, or um, or Patrick Queen, I wasn't going to take you in the rookie draft, and that was that was my thought process. No. Well, Randy, receiver wouldn't have to be a problem for you if you just pulled the trigger on that Kenny Galladay trade. all right so um yeah man i think that's that's all we got um so you know i I know you're you're out in texas uh you know being safe and continuing to social distance and whatnot but um you know sports betting that's that's your thing you're one of the sharpest guys i know when it comes to sports betting whether it's uh college college basketball college football nfl so um are you continuing to give out your you you know when when those seasons roll around are you going to be continuing to give out picks and stuff on twitter and and if so where can where can people find you oh yeah definitely so um, my twitter handle is ran uh d underscore savage and the number one so it's r-a-n-d underscore savage and then the number one um so that's where you can find me on twitter in regards to my takes, um, of course, all my takes are free because who knows if you're going to win money or not. So I'm just telling you guys the way that I'm betting personally. So you'll see. Um, so you don't even have to take my advice. You can just watch it to see if I'm winning or if I'm losing. And if you see that I'm winning, then you can just take my advice and, and, and just hop on a, and, and just uh, start betting the same way that I'm betting. And if you guys have any better bets or you guys want to talk about things, 
hey, I'm always willing to listen, and and, and it's not hard to change my mind if if, uh, if you got some good points. But um, I'll definitely be providing information, or rather, my my picks for the 2020 season and 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 uh, and going forward for um, NFL football, um, college college football, uh, NBA basketball, as well as college basketball. Yep. So go ahead and give Randy a follow on Twitter. Um, and go check out his his betting picks and, you know, uh, hit him up and and uh, tell him why you may or may not like his picks. And, you know, Randy, again, thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate, you, you know, you coming on to the show. Um, definitely was a long time coming, but this was your first your first time on the show. But definitely not be your last. You definitely have to do this again, brother. Without a doubt. I thank you so much for um, for for taking the time having me on your show. Um, I really do appreciate the opportunity. I, I hope that, of course, uh, that I'm able to do this uh, more often than not, um, because it was definitely good just chopping it up and, and, and talking with you. And of course, um, I, I definitely want to uh, I want everybody to stay safe um, out there. It's crazy times out there. So make sure that you're social distancing. Um, uh, make sure you're wearing a mask and things like that when you're in public. But just make sure that more than anything, you're just keeping yourself and your family safe. Yep, absolutely. Um, and again, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for t- for making us part of your day. If you can go ahead and give Randy a follow on Twitter, on Twitter at R-A-N-D underscore Savage One. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at JR Football Nerd and also follow the show on Twitter at FF Diagnostics. Uh, go ahead and leave us a rating review on uh, whatever platform it is that you're listening to us and Again, uh, stay safe, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good one. Bye.